Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Okay, the plans for today. No crying. I'm not talking about y'all. And also plan today to stay true to form because we all know that I'm infamous for 20-minute sermons and some guys up there that have been in the choir for a long time used to place bets with all the money going to missions. And so you may ask, well, let me tell you what happened one day, because this was several years ago. I was I taught Sunday school. I was coming down the hall. There were some people walking in front of me. They didn't know I was behind them. And they said, hey, Michael's preaching today. And I was going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it was said, yeah, he preaches short. We're getting out early. It's always good to be known for something. So why 20 minutes? Because I serve on a staff with preachers who don't preach 20-minute sermons. So how did this happen to me? Well, I had a professor, preaching professor, who said 18 to 22 minutes is how we are going to preach. And if we went over 22 minutes, we, had, we lost points. It is even said that he would have given Jesus a C minus for the Sermon on the Mount for going just a wee bit long. And so I don't know where this is going because I've never preached my own memorial service. I'm sorry, my retirement service. <laughs> so we'll just see. This is definitely more of a chat than a sermon. Yes, in some ways it's goodbye, but with the realization that endings are also beginnings. One door closes, allowing another to open. So to the church of 1994 and to all the years and iterations leading up to today, thank you. Thank you for bringing me in and giving my family a home. Thank you for allowing me to do my thing in the oft unusual ways I do my thing. You gave me freedom, and even though today is a focus on me, it's always been about us. Together, we made our unique approach to Sunday school work for the adults. From day one, the intent was to create Christian community, and we did. And the kingdom is stronger for our effort. Together, we made our unique missional ministry work. It was designed for us to be local, national, and international simultaneously. It was flexible. It was needs-based. We never did a drive-by. We decided we would invest in people and meet needs until God called us somewhere else. You made it work. You made it happen. And the kingdom is stronger for our effort. So church... We did good work. 
So church, we should be proud of the body of work that has been Johns Creek Baptist Church. Proud, but not satisfied. Proud, but never content. Proud of where we came from, but eagerly awaiting what comes next. Our formative years were indeed amazing, but God isn't through forming us. God's kingdom is about the here and now. It faces forward. It provides fresh mercies, clear new callings every new day with renewed grace and spirit-inspired wisdom that allows and equips us to do what? Move forward. The kingdom is progressive. We are called to progress the kingdom. 29 years, I worked hard to progress the kingdom. Now someone else and more people are going to come in to do what? Progress the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God never stands still. It never retreats, nor should we. My hopes for my church going forward is to go forward. These are my hopes for the church, to go forward, following God, cooperating with God to reshape and reclaim lives here, out there, and everywhere God leads us to go. Let me leave you with an old yet familiar story from the Hebrew Bible. So veterans of Sunday school and vacation Bible school will know this story well, and it kind of makes sense that a retiring teaching pastor, discipleship person, would choose something straight from Sunday school. You know the story of Jonah, right? I could go to fifth grade Sunday school and ask that question, and they would tell me the story of Jonah. But we're going to toss it around a little bit. We're going to look at Jonah a bit differently. We're going to determine where Jonah really went wrong. So we all know that God spoke to him. He was a political person in Israel. He was very much nationalistic. He believed in Israel first and some days Israel only, and that God loved Israel more than other people groups. Yet God called him to do what? Go to another people group, another type of faith, very pagan, and tell them the words of God. He was called to go east to take God's offer of repentance and salvation to the worst people on the planet. The Assyrians, with Nineveh the capital, were at that moment the worst people on the planet. If they captured you, they would cut off both your legs and one arm, and then they would come up and shake your hand as you were dying. It got worse. It got worse. These were barbaric, very pagan, very evil people. They were the worst. So Jonah's response, why me? I'm not equipped to do this, God. Why me? It wasn't that at all. It was no way me. There's no way I'm going to those people to tell them anything you just told me because I hate those people. They don't deserve your mercy. 
and he ran in the other direction. Instead of going east, he went as far westward as possible, got into Joppa, jumped on a boat, and then what happened on the fishing boat? He was just hopping a ride to move away from God. Now, there was a theological thing at that point in time that believed God was only the God of a certain region. Now, this was a prevailing thought. And in that, you could literally what? Run away from God. You could move to somewhere that God was not. So one of the lessons he learned pretty quickly was God was pretty nimble and mobile. In fact, God, being the most high God, the creator God, was everywhere. This was a theological shock to Jonah as he was hightailing it for anywhere besides Nineveh. So he gets on a fishing boat, and a big storm comes up that God introduced, and the pagan sailors are looking around going, what's going on? This is the worst storm we've ever been in. Who sinned to cause this? And where was Jonah? He was asleep. He was down below asleep. No cares in the world, not guilt. The Spirit must not have been hammering him like the Spirit does me because there was no guilt, there was nothing. He was going to sleep until he ran away from God completely. Well, that's not the case with the sailors. And I will tell you that I have been on a fishing boat with a bunch of pastors when a big storm came up. And we too ask, who has sinned in this group <laughs> that has made Michael so sick? Because I was laying, lying, laying on the bottom, just on the whatever you call the floor of the boat, and I was praying for God to send a shark, not a whale, not a giant sea creature, but a shark, so I could throw myself into its jaws. I know what those guys were going through, and Jonah just sleeping it off like nothing was happening. So he comes up and goes, hey, it's my fault. It really is my fault. Well, what do we do? Well, throw me overboard. We don't want to throw you overboard. These pagans actually had more spirituality than Jonah. And so he says, no, 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 I have to go overboard. It's me. I'm running from God. He went ahead and confessed. They throw him overboard and what? The sea calms. The storm goes away. And it is said that they then, then began to worship the most high God of Israel. Moving away from their paganism, after this display, this is huge, this display from God. So what happens to Jonah? He's still not ready to go. He's in the ocean now. And what happens? Well, it's according to who's telling the story. There's this gigantic sea creature that God sent, swallowed Jonah, and for three days, and I love how the Bible says, we can't just have three days. It's three days and three nights. <laughs> this wasn't like a cruise where you go four nights and five days. No, this was three days, three nights, and he's inside this sea creature, and what happens? He has a revival. Oh God, I'm sorry. I don't know how I ended up in this place. In fact, I have no idea what this place is. I will go. I will go. Three days later, he disembarks without any glory at all, comes out of the sea creature onto the land and goes, okay, God, I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going. And he goes. 
He goes. He didn't try any more Uber rides to get, you know, as far away as he could. Didn't jump on a greyhound. He went to Nineveh with the words of God. Now, these words were a little unusual because this wasn't an altar call. He did not say, hey, God loves you. The Most High God of Israel loves you and wants you to clean up your act because he's going to give you love and mercy. No, it's basically saying you got 40 days and God is going to destroy you. 40 days and God is going to destroy you. His heart was not in it. You know he did one of these. He's walking into the gates of Nineveh, scared to death, scared, frightened, because these were the Assyrians. They did not take well to people like him. But he went in with the power of God surrounding him, yet in his heart, his loveless soul, he was not into it. So here's what I imagine happened. 40 days, 40 days, God's going to destroy you. 40 days. God's going to destroy you. No soul, no heart, no drive, no spirit power. He just went through the motion saying it. Now it took, Nineveh was a huge city. It would have taken him three full days to walk through Nineveh to say those words. He made it one day. He made it a third away, a third of the way into Nineveh. And then all of a sudden, the king, And all the people began to repent and follow the Most High God. With that message, with a person who really was just going through the motions, repent, in 40 days, God's going to blow y'all up. All of that, that not caring attitude. And the people responded to the power and the movement of God despite Jonah. Despite Jonah. So what was his response? Even though he had cooperated with God but didn't have his heart in it, and all of the people from the king to the cows repented and made a move to the Most High God He went up on a hill, sat down, watched it, and was angry. Can't believe that God did this. I can't believe that God loves these people. I don't love them, so God shouldn't love them. Israel doesn't love them, so God should not love them. And they were repenting, and they were changing. Sackcloth and ashes. Animals, people coming down from the king. They're fasting. They are having a faith experience with God. And Jonah, Jonah goes and sits on a hill. God provides shade. He sits under it and just gripes and moans and whines. And then the next day, a worm came ate this big plant that he was sitting under and it died and it was hot and Jonah is really upset at that point and says, you know what? I just want to die. God's heart breaks for people, all people. Jonah's heart broke over a plant. 
and his own comfort and his own narrow theology. His now loveless soul could not find joy during the massive world-changing movement of God that was taking place right in front of him. It was a gift, Jonah. It was a gift. God used you. God cooperated with you to affect maybe one of the biggest demonstrations of God's power and love ever. And Jonah is sitting there grousing. Despite being in the midst of it all, holy ground in every direction, and he missed it all. Church, my church, you may not be asked to take salvation to the worst people on the planet, but you will be asked to take God's saving grace to the neediest people around. There is no one in here exempt from the calling of God. This is not the church moving together and doing something. This is the church empowering each other, being filled with the Spirit of God, and stepping out and saying, you send me, and I will go. There is a need out there, God, and I, cooperating with you, am stepping up to meet that need. And who are these people? Well, they're right out there, and they're right out there. They don't act like us, so it may not be comfortable, it may be confusing, and it may be scary because they don't act like us, because they do not yet have what we have. And we are going to share that with people. Church, my church, please, as the future moves on, leave nothing on the table. No regrets. When God calls, go. Act with a soul filled with love, then stand back and take in the world-changing love of God in action. Always, always live into your calling. Always live into your calling. Know that it's a privilege. Know that when you do it, you are going to see that you cooperated with God. You were a part of changing people's lives. The world needs this church. Be that church as you go forward. Amen and amen.